Hi, I'm Joseph. And I'm TJ. And this is Hi-Fi. So, Joe, it's a shame we don't have anything to talk about today. I know. It's been such a dull spring. There's yeah. nothing. Well, good night, everything everyone. Did, ha- did anything happen today? I, I don't think anything's happened. I don't think no. Wait. Um, I do remember Oh, there recalling... was some, some swirly animated, like, silly putty, like, colored, differently colored silly putty and some ethereal music, I think. Yeah, and that's, that's like a I'm, walk in the hearing. park with uh, Tim Apple. Oh, yeah, Tim Apple. Okay, well, so we should probably dive in. We have a lot to talk about here. Mm-hmm. So the swirls uh, whipped us through Apple Park, and then Tim Apple strolls onto the virtual uh, – well, actually, he's in the Apple Park, I guess, or whatever up there. And That or a very convincing green screen. <laughs> yeah, he strolls in through the scenery, and he says hello. It's really looking good. I, I was really pleased that – well, I mean, like, how do you start a presentation, a marketing presentation, when you have 101 things, and you know that the first few things you talk about are not going to be the most important? So – you just dive in and you talk about how wonderful it is to be Tim Apple and to be giving people wonderful credit cards and new podcasting app updates. But it was uh, it was good. And I, I think that this is being the, as he mentioned, the first event of 2021 by Apple. This is just every bit as good a presentation as the others. Very fun with the Apple floating silly string flying around the campus and making it pretty. And it was it was really clever that we could just got to see Tim walking around in the park on the campus and showing us the rainbow, the pretty pond, the yeah. flowers, the honeybee. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Yeah, and specifically, yeah, and specifically to his first announcement, I thought you know basically he just sort of stormed right out of the gate and starts talking about things. Um, and uh, they they clearly packed a lot into it was just about an hour. Um, so. Uh, yeah, and and um, the Apple Card, I think uh, I'm going to have to see about putting that to use. Um, Rachel and I have our own Apple Cards, but if we had a family Apple Card, um, you know, I don't know, there could be a use for that and uh, kind of a, a shared Apple Card. And I can see in the very, very near future with my uh, soon-to-be 15-year-old son um, a need for him to have uh, a way to spend money in this digital world, but also to have limits <laughs> And very, very strict <laughs> limits. <laughs> um, teach him and and teach him the use and teach him how to uh, use a credit card and control himself and not like go on a spending spree and go you know twenty thousand dollars in debt on consumer goods. Yeah, it was pretty clever. I, I I really think it is innovative to improve the the how they described it as a new shared credit score between spouses with a shared account or like yeah i just i really like this sort of thing i didn't think apple was going to make a lot of of a change a difference with credit cards now that they had their own for a while i mean what else was there to do what else, what other innovations can you make and when people reviewed the apple card they talked about it had you know good benefits it had a great interface in the uh app interface on ios but it didn't seem like there was a lot of room for innovation and they pulled through and they managed to be innovative anyway. So this is really cool. Yeah, there are a couple of things that I wish that the wallet app had in terms of being able to export transactions in a CSV for mm-hmm. accounting purposes and various things like that. Being able to f- more easily assign categories to spending and things of that nature. So there's improvement that, that can be made there, but I don't think Apple's interested in that sort of innovation. And this innovation definitely feels more Apple-y. Um, looking at a bigger picture kind of innovation and not some of the more small details. I feel like that's where modern Apple tends to get yeah. things not as good is, is the small details they don't care too much about, <laughs> which is unfortunate sometimes. But yeah. and, and it's because we think of Apple as a company that sweats the details, and there are definitely some details about using Apple Card. I, lo- I, I do love the Apple Card primarily because of the 2 and 3% returns that I get. Yes. And I'm just a couple days ago, I transferred $70 into my bank account from my uh, you know return cash from, from, nice. the, from the card. So they definitely... Definitely, you know, it's definitely nice uh, to get those perks of using the card. But in any event, I think these are these are cool features for the Apple Card. Moving and, on to yeah, Apple's he moved new- on really quick. Oh. I, I think we took uh, as much time to describe those details as Tim did. 
he, Absolutely. He, he was flying and he gets into Apple's new podcast app. And what mm-hmm. I thought right off the get-go was funny was that he showed what the Apple Podcasts app originally looked like. And when they yes. started a long time ago, and what well, was funny it was essentially is he, iTunes with, with with a cable sync component to an iPod. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't say that, and it, it cracked no. me up because he was showing iTunes and the classic iPod, but he didn't call yeah. it iTunes and the iPod. So it was funny that he referred to it as the original podcasts app. <laughs> Well, and, and, you know, this is the way Apple operates. Like, all references to OS X and Mac OS X or Mac OS, Mac Space OS have been scrubbed from the history. Like, Apple refers retroactively always and everywhere to Mac OS as Mac OS no space. <laughs> you yeah. know, and I, iOS, not iPhone OS, and, and that sort of thing. Like, so that, this is in keeping with Apple's personality here. They, yeah. th- as far as they're concerned, that was the quote, Apple podcasts, end quote. <laughs> and the rumors, not, not iTunes podcasts. Well, and the rumors that we have had lately that they were going to present podcast pages differently, a new look, make them more attractive would happen. And it did. And the other thing that Tim said that they were sporting, but he didn't show us, was the all new Apple podcast subscriptions features. Now, this is kind of confusing unless you think about Apple's strategy because not too long ago, they actually changed the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts to the follow button. So if you follow, you're now getting the feed and you get your podcast episodes whenever they're updated. However, Apple wants you to think of a subscription as an, a level up from that, where the podcasts that you love the most, you support. And by being a member, subscribed via Apple Podcasts, you're actually funding the show creators so that they can give you potential benefits like you would if you were a Patreon supporter or something. So you get maybe uh, to unlock other additional content that is not free. You get shows maybe that are ad-free. Maybe you get early access to podcast content. And Tim said, and much more with Apple Podcast subscriptions, but he didn't say what those more things would be. And so it's curious, giving them wiggle room to change it on the fly if they need to, or if they get a stroke of genius about another way that people can give a benefit to their members. And I, I, I think um, it, it was necessary. I, I really appreciate the presenters of Apple's events and how they phrase things. And this was one of those moments where I just really like the way that Tim put a spin on it, that it's, it's never cynical. There's no cynical uh, speech in their delivery whatsoever. They don't have room for that. Only altruism. And Tim said, now you can help build your favorite podcasters business and fuel their creativity. And I was like, well, he's not wrong. And if you are funding your favorite podcasters, then maybe well, that will work. I'm happy to provide the cynical take for you, Joe, as you know. <laughs> However, I do. I wanted to go back uh, before I lose lose it and talk about the follow versus subscribe. I'm actually uh, – it took me – I had to think about it for a few days when this first happened. This was like a month ago now, something like that. Um, I had to think about this change in terminology, and I, I, I'm, I'm for it, I think. And the reason is because subscription for the most people – and I've actually saw people conducted some research, and I believe Apple may have said it, but if not, somebody else had conducted some research into what how users perceived subscriptions and subscribing to podcasts. And there were definitely people who did not even consider podcasts because it was uh, something they would have to pay for because it was a, a, a subscription. And the word follow, I think, m- matches better – people's perception like because we follow people on twitter and we follow and keep up with people on facebook and so now when you subscribe to this rss feed what what we have traditionally termed as subscribe we're following the content right and so that's what happens with a podcast really it's a it's a better descriptive i think so i'm okay with that and in fact i need to put in an issue uh or a to-do on my to-do app to change the terminology on night owl i think to follow to match what apple's doing with with itunes and i mean (laughs) itunes yeah i still call it itunes with uh (coughs) excuse me me with apple podcasts <laughs> so follow versus subscribe and then that does free up the word subscribe to match with people's mental model of subscribing and paying money for something i i think that that works pretty well so as to the actual lift here of subscriptions for podcasts 
I think there's a little, we're a little bit light on details and how that's going to work from a, the creator side. Like we're going to have uh, Apple Podcast Connect, and I assume that we're that all the hosting and things is going to work exactly the same. Which is for those who aren't as tech savvy, I don't know why you'd be listening to this show, but if you don't know how podcast hosting works. Um, podcast, uh, Apple podcast is a directory. It is not a hosting solution. And so it's bring your own everything. We, you know, night owl has a server and it serves an RSS feed and the RSS feed contains references to where, where the MP3 files can be located on the server. And that's how podcasting works. And so then you then tell Apple podcasts, Here's my RSS feed. Would you please list it in the Apple Podcast directory? And then the Apple Podcast app and many, many other apps because the uh, by some strange coincidence that I don't think Apple would do if they were doing it today. But in the back in the day, they made the Apple Podcast directory a free and open API. And so all the podcast apps, pretty much all, uh, including like Overcast, Pocket Cast, et cetera, will consult with and search the uh, Apple Podcast directory via API to know about podcasts. So it's centralized in that Apple controls the directory that everybody references, but it's decentralized in that we all host our files in our RSS feeds anywhere we want. So what the questions that I have, and I, I think the way this is probably going to work is you go into Apple Podcasts Connect and you, you've you already got your RSS feed in there in the directory and you have a, an account which it's associated with and you just click on that probably and say, I want this to be a subscription and um, – I don't know exactly what all the technical details are, though. So Apple's going to yeah. have to let us know what those are. Uh, I think I have an email. I haven't had time to look at my email because I just got off work and I've been doing a workout and now I'm recording a podcast. But I'm, I'm actually opening my email app now. I forgot to look. Oh, yeah? I think I have an email in my inbox. Here we go. Introducing Apple Podcast subscriptions and more. Starting today, creators in more than 170 countries and regions can pre- offer premium subscriptions on Apple Podcasts. Um, build by default. It's a creator's offering. Uh, so it talks about new tools in Apple Podcasts Connect. Um, make it your content Apple Podcasts. Yeah, I don't know. You can now create channels. There's more to dive in here than I don't care to read this whole thing on the air. I'm just, I'm just saying. There's definitely questions that I need answers for, and I'm not going to reveal how many subscribers this podcast has or how many I track downloads, not subscribers, but it's, you know, it's not nearly enough to charge money for like, you know, (laughs) just, you know, we need to build our subscriber base. Please share this uh, podcast with your friends. Um, But uh, yeah, there's just lots of questions here. Well, on on this note, we're not even using the Apple podcasts app to listen to our favorite podcasts either. So, well, you and I aren't, I think the majority of people do. And that means that this tool will work for the most part. I'll be curious to see how it influences the third-party podcast players over time because, I I mean, think about it. If you're in the third-party podcast player app all the time, that's where you go to follow, quote, subscribe to your podcasts and favorite some and put them in playlists and you never get around to Apple's uh, particular silo and use theirs for any reason, you know, that means those are potential supporters that are not supporting. And so maybe there's a workaround. Maybe the third parties will have a solution. Imagine if we had YouTube where that was practically where every video content creator made their video content, but then you gave them money by another means. And and that already exists. So there's yeah. you know many ways around this. I'll just be curious to see how it trickles down to podcasters. I forgot to provide the cynical take, which is that um, Apple saw money on the table and they wanted some. They wanted their cut by providing the infrastructure. I'm sure they'll charge fifteen or thirty percent or whatever it is. Like like you know the the whole fiasco with how much do they charge? Like all that's going on uh, with apps. And so I'm sure they'll bring that same model, whatever it is, and however convoluted it is, to podcasts. That's a, that's a cynical take, as Apple wants a little bit of money for their time and effort, which is which is fine, but it's just they're they're talking about it like it's an altruistic effort, and I'm sure that there is some of that. But but even like the things that we do, you and I, Joseph, we we don't do everything for altruism. Like there is always a give and take. Um, I I work for a company that I'm happy to work for, and I think is doing good work, but I don't work for that company for free. And and Apple is happy to pr- support podcasters and app developers and all that sort of thing but they are uh, unwilling to uh, do that for free and that that makes complete sense so that's my cynical take sure and there's more to talk about that when we have more revealed and we get to tinker with it ourselves so the next thing that tim apple introduced was 
Uh, he brought on uh, Willy Wonka. Uh, he, he actually showed that the chocolate factory was just around the corner from the trees. And <laughs> you know, Wonka himself brought out of his uh, coat pocket a purple iPhone 12. And uh, so that's cool. There was... This is one of two zany things that happened today in this in this event. <laughs> that, that this is the, the zany, but not as zany as what we'll talk about later. Um, it, it it was um, I was a little weirded out almost by the uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory uh, Candyman music. Um, yeah, the, the, you know who can take a rainbow? <laughs> you know that. Um, I, I yeah, it was a little, a little odd. I I need to rewatch it and see how it strikes me now. I mean, it was fine. I was just I I don't know. It was just like Apple doesn't normally advertise like this. I I think I like it because I I've been very happy with Apple's advertising of late. I feel like they've picked up a new. Uh, what's the word? Um, whimsy. Whimsy. Yes, I think I like it. It just was something so unexpected. I, I I need to I need to think about it some more. And and I think that one thing that I don't know if they did this deliberately because it makes them feel good, or they were trying to do this as a ministry to their own customers. But they 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 mentioned in passing how important it was to them to maintain optimism concerning products like the iMac, which we'll get to later. They wanted it to be vibrant and uplifting. And I think that that was sort of the attitude with maybe this entire presentation, that so much of what we hear these days is gloomy, melodramatic, cynical takes on big news and tech Mm. and politics and catastrophes and pandemics. You know, they want to be uplifting and show us sunshine and rainbows. Rainbows on Apple Park, literally, and honeybees yeah. in you know gathering nectar. I mean, it, it was just <laughs> you know if Tim could have had all the woodland creatures come out of the forest and like gaggle around him while he broke into song, I think he would have done it. <laughs> uh, well, in all seriousness, though, I'm happy for you, Joe. I know you've wanted a purple iPhone, and here it is. Now, uh, are you going to sell your current iPhone and get a purple one? Are, are you upset crushing. at Apple? Are you so? Are you upset at Apple that they've done this to you? That you've bought your phone and now they introduced the purple? Yes, I I really am, TJ. <laughs> that is, uh, my, my ever... web browser is in purple right now as we speak. <laughs> this is the theme of my life. It's purple. Have we ever gotten a mid-cycle update to an existing line like this? Yes, we've had some product red phones this way. Okay, besides product red, nope. Not that well, you know. I mean, if you go back in time, I think there was a version of the iPod Video that came in black and red, like hot. Let me rephrase for YouTube. Let me rephrase with the iPhone in the iPhone era. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, not that I can recall. This is a little more of that whimsy that we were talking about with the commercial. That the, the, the whimsy also extends to the actual hardware they're releasing, and and you know I feel like somebody at Apple, whether it was Tim, whether it was you know head of product, or you know may, maybe Apple fellow uh, Phil Schiller said, "Hey, make me a purple iPhone." I don't know, but somebody got a little whimsy going on, and they said, "You know what? We're going to release a purple iPhone to the existing iPhone line. We're going to introduce a new color, and that's going to be great. People are going to love it, and we're just going to introduce it, and it's going to be fun." I think that's what happened here, and I, I'm. It's fine. It's a little frustrating for you, but I, I, I like it. Yeah, I, I couldn't be more pleased with the iPhone Pro. So it's just not going to happen. But yeah, it's a now good that's looking phone. And this is something I've seen being bandied about on Twitter uh, a little bit by people that I follow. Um, uh, that that you know, Apple is unwilling to introduce color to the Pro lines of phones. They are they're only introducing color to the um, continuing to introduce color to their consumer lines of products. Uh, this this seems to continue uh, with the um, iMac, which we'll talk about in a minute, which gets all kinds of new colors. But not not a lot of other computers have, especially the Pro computers, have colors. So what's Apple's thinking here? Yeah, I find that really jarring. It feels like a really old school approach to computing technologies. Because at this point, they're encouraging everybody to have your iPad, to have your Apple Watch, to have your AirPods Max. And the the black or the silver, the space gray AirPods Max are no more pro than the tutti frutti green, red, or blue ones. They're yep. just all AirPods Max. And I wish that that newer take on things, that attitude would get all the way down to iPhones and all the other... I mean, like like I, I was thinking about this, I'm, I'm ready to buy an M1 MacBook. And I would love, TJ, to have that in one of the new colors. 
But how long are we going to have to wait before they introduce this color lineup to MacBooks? Because they have no consistency about releasing colorful hardware. Yeah. We really well, right have now, no idea. Right now, the MacBooks come in any color you want, as long as those colors are space gray, gold, or silver. And the, and the gold is, you know, kind of in the same category. We were saying that the space gray and the silver ones are like, we've got you a token color, but it feels more it feels more akin to the dull drums of space gray and silver than yeah, to I suppose. the colorful I, I actually colors. I quite like the gold. My wife has a gold uh MacBook. Oh, yeah? uh, the, the the MacBook no modifier. I just ordered a gold MacBook Air. So what? Um, yeah. Now Woo. the plan I, I was going to talk about this later, but I guess I'm going to talk about it now. The plan is um I wanted to wait for the event to make sure Apple didn't bust up my plans with any announcements. I didn't expect they would, but you never know. I've expected the iMac and that was it and that's what we got. And so um I have sold my 2015 MacBook Pro. It's gone and I have no laptop right now of my own and um you know, with my current work and the security involved and stuff, I really only use it for work. And so I need my own laptop. And um, I don't know what Apple's going to be releasing in the future, but my wife needs a new laptop soon. And so I ordered the M1 MacBook Air, 16 gigs of RAM, uh, one terabyte hard drive, or the only modifiers. That's, there's really not much to configure. Those were the configuration options. And I, I didn't go all the way on the hard drive. I went all the way on the RAM. I wish that it could do more, but that's what it could do. Uh, and I will use that computer for my own until uh, later when Apple has fully announced their M1 line or their Mac line of uh, Apple Silicon processors, and then we will make a decision on which way to go for me and or my wife. Actually, very similar story here as well. I'm I'm using a Mac Mini at home, and I have this souped-up iMac Pro, well, not Pro, but 27-inch Pro-like that I have for the day job, and I'm getting a MacBook Air same specs, space gray. It's technically my wife's computer more than mine. We share it to edit some podcasts mm-hmm. and it, she wanted space gray. What can I say? I think she chose right. And then later this year, I'm going to see about replacing my Mac mini with some M1 model after we've seen more M1 I know this is a tangent, but I have just a little more to say. I think I think what I'm going to find, based on everything I'm reading, based on some people I know with the M1 MacBook Air, that the M1 MacBook Air will be the most powerful computer I've ever had, including my uh, my Hackintosh. And I suspect I'm going to turn my Hackintosh into a server that sits in the closet and does various tasks, like back up the Night Owl <laughs> site and things, on a regular basis. But I'm, it's going to be headless, and I'm going to use the... M1 MacBook Air as my daily driver, and and I get the I've like it's always been the dream, right? I've I finally got away from it because it just wasn't working. But like the dream of having one computer, and when you want more displays, you plug it into those displays, and otherwise it's portable. You take it on the go, all your works with you. You don't have to worry about syncing. You don't have to worry about the software's installed, all this stuff. It's all because it's the one computer. Um, and obviously now I have a work computer and that, that blows that a little bit. But for the most part, like I want, I don't want to manage more than these two computers, so. That, I think that's the direction I'm going, and I think the yeah. M1 will finally make this possible because it'll be powerful enough that I won't care that it's a laptop anymore. Totally. So then next in the event, we had uh, Carolyn Wolfman Australia. Uh, not Australia, Astrada. <laughs> Where does that come from? Get, get, it, get it right. <laughs> well, Tim Cook handed it off to Carolyn, and she Tim introduced... Apple. Tim Apple. Um, yeah, Tim Apple. Not Tim <laughs> Cook. Different guy. <laughs> and she introduces Find My, uh, some updates to the app. Air tags and third-party accessories, and this was really nice. It, you know, she's strolling on the outside of the Apple campus buildings on the sidewalk, mm-hmm. and she shows off what the new Air tags can do. Everybody kind of already knew this was going to happen, but we hadn't seen the interface in Find My, which was cool because it does nice things like you can follow an arrow like a compass to wherever your Air tagged device may be in your household. The good news is, is if you've already got an iPhone or a MacBook and an iPad and you and you misplaced one of those, you don't necessarily need an AirTag, but you still get to take advantage of the same features in Find My, is my understanding. Yes. So AirTags are just for things like you put it on your bicycle or you put it on your backpack or you put it on your child or you put it on your dog's collar, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you can 
follow them in the Find My app. Yeah. So now I have questions uh, that I don't think have been answered. I, I did hear that there was a user changeable battery. How long did the batteries last was my very first question. Um, you know, there, there's just questions, things like that. Uh, I do think it's a cool idea and a cool feature, and I wouldn't be surprised if I have an AirTag or two uh, in within a year or so. I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon, but... Uh, and I'm not a big fan of bulking up my keys and I don't, I don't often lose my keys. I can't remember the last time I lost my keys and I've never permanently lost any keys ever. So I don't think I'll put them on a keychain or anything like that, but having one on my bike might be nice. Um, you know, there's just a couple other little things that it might be nice to have them on. Um, I don't know. I will, we'll have to see. Uh, I feel like they're, they're pretty reasonably priced for Apple. <laughs> um, you know, $99 for a pack of four or $29 for one. Like that, that seems reasonable for an Apple product. It, it may be not as reasonable as you'd expect from anybody else. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. But I have questions about battery life mainly. And, and I have questions too about like longevity and durability. Like if it's on a keychain, you feel like it's got to be pretty tough, right? Like, cause it's going to be banging in and out of pockets and crashing around. And you, you tend to throw your keys around. Like you, you might, oh, I'm going to throw them over here and I'm going to throw them over there. Like, you know, I have questions about that too. Mm-hmm. And you can yeah. personalize them the, the way you would uh, engrave something like your AirPods Pro case, which is mm-hmm. clever, a nice way to distinguish your own find my AirTags versus somebody else's in an airport. I can see where this would be handy to keep track of your luggage. And I don't know about hanging it with a accessory like the Hermes, uh, you know, like keychain or something like that on the outside of any of my products. I, I would be more inclined to strap it down on the inside of, of the backpack and just know it was secure and nobody wanted to steal this Apple product on the outside. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you're but, somebody who can afford AirTags in 2021, maybe you have a MacBook Pro in that backpack I'd also like to steal. <laughs> yeah. What I'm well, speaking of that, that uh, putting putting an AirTag in a backpack might be a great thing to do, especially if you're traveling. You 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 know, maybe one of your steps before you travel the day before is you make sure the batteries are good. You know, you don't need to replace them or anything. And uh, you stick that thing, bury it as deep in the bottom of your backpack as possible, and you know, maybe place it in a hidden compartment or something like that. And that seems like a great use of an AirTag. Yeah. I could see doing this for my backpack, if nothing else. I'm I, I, I'm sold on one of them. I'm making a four yeah, pack. Yeah, yeah. I might put one in every backpack of the family. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. four people. So moving on, we have the Apple TV 4K. Not to be confused, Joe, with the Apple TV 4K. <laughs> well, isn't that now been demoted to an Apple TV HD or something like that? No, no. The Apple TV HD was a product prior to the Apple TV 4K, which I uh, purchased in 2017. I do have – I wasn't sure which one I had actually because I couldn't remember, but I do have the Apple TV 4K. Uh, but, but now they've introduced – they've reintroduced or introduced a new Apple TV 4K. So I don't know. I don't know. It has a different chip in it is basically what it amounts to, and uh, they're just keeping it fresh. Yeah, It's not entirely clear off of their website either, though. If you do go to their website for appletv.com slash – or apple.com slash TV, then it will show a label over Apple TV 4K new and then beside it, Apple TV HD. Like they're going to keep it going. Right. Well, it's sort of like – it's sort of like they, um, yeah, they put, um, you know, MacBook Pro, MacBook Air, and then they'll put the new label under it anytime they up, up the model. But the model, the, the, the base model name doesn't change. It's always the MacBook Air. I, I feel like that's what they're doing here at the Apple TV. What makes it weird is that they, ha- they continue to have the Apple TV HD and the Apple TV 4K. And why would you want the HD when they had the 4K? I suppose because of price. But, like, future-proofing yourself is not that much more expensive to get the Apple TV 4K. And... I don't know. Anyway, I have an Apple TV 4K. It, I think it has the A8, and, and, and they've upped this to the A12 Bionic chip. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it gets better HDR and high frame rates and, I don't know, better processing. Maybe better for Apple Arcade. Things. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, I don't use Apple Arcade at all on the Apple TV, so I don't care. Um, <laughs> maybe I should change that, but I just I, I don't have enough time in the day. No, so, um uh, so, but yeah. I will note that the Apple TV HD off of their website now is sold with the new remote. 
Yes. Well, okay. So that's the nice thing is the new remote will work with any Apple TV that came with the black Siri remote, for lack of a better descriptor, the, the touchpad remote. <laughs> yes. So any Apple TV that worked with the touchpad Siri remote will work with this new Apple TV remote. I, this is the most exciting part to me. Is and I, this is so <laughs> this is so dumb that I'm so excited about this. But it, Apple, it's it's a problem of Apple's own making, but it's it's a problem of Johnny Ive making, if you ask me. But but um, because that Apple TV remote is so bad. And uh, recently, one of my kids, uh, and you know, it's been, I got it in 2017. So it's been like, what, five years, four years, whatever that is, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20 four years, um, almost four years. So I, uh, one of my kids, I don't know, they won't admit to what happened, but I went, went up to watch TV after they went to bed and the volume buttons won't work anymore. Like they don't depress. They're just sort it's just sort of uh, um, stiff and, and there's no rocking motion on the volume button anymore. Um, and there's the, one of the other buttons is also acting funky and I think somebody stepped on it, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, and so I'm sitting here, this is, I didn't know, but I'm like, I'm, go, I'm definitely waiting until the event. Hopefully they'll announce a new remote. Um, and I don't want to buy a new remote and it's still sort of working. So we're sort of getting by. Um, but yeah, I'm most excited about this remote and, and they brought the click wheel back. This is one of Apple's great inventions, yes. right? Is the, is the scroll wheel. <laughs> it is so good. And it looks so good. It is so good. So, I'm so I, I, I stoked about this. If, if you had told me yesterday, I'd be this excited about a remote. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you visit their store, if you were to go looking for just, you know, searching remote, they are now going to be selling two remotes. So the remote we're talking about with all the new fanciness is the new Siri remote and sold on its own. It's $59. However, if you did feel like cheaping out because you lost an existing Apple remote and you weren't crazy about that remote to begin with because you never liked the trackpad on it, you could get a replacement, which they call the Apple remote, which is what the remote that came with the Apple TV a few years ago looked like. It's not changed at all. It looks like a stripped down version of the new Siri remote and it's just the Apple remote for $19. And yeah. that makes total sense. Like I could understand why you would fall back to that or default to it. I'm just glad that they didn't say since the Apple TV HD is the cheaper model, we're going to cheap out and only give you the Apple remote instead of the Siri remote in the box. So they're giving you the Siri remote in whatever model of Apple TV you buy. As much as they're charging for the Apple TVs, they better. That's all yeah. I have to say. I'm, I'm comparing the remotes, though, and just in terms of functionality and buttons, I'm looking at the picture of each of them. You know, the current Siri remote has, of course, the big touchpad area, which is awful, and you brush it, and you've lost your place in the TV show, and it's hard to control, and you're you're trying to scroll to find a place, and, oh, this 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 uh, this scroll wheel sounds so much better. Um, but then also, like, um, the scroll wheel also gives you uh, up, up, down, left, right action, which is so good. And you've got the middle click. Oh, everything's great there. So the old Siri remote has um, basically six buttons, uh, one of which is a rocker button. So there's, you know, up and down is one and two. You So you've got menu, TV, um, the Siri button, and then the pause, play pause. The new remote has, of course, the touch wheel with the four, you know, the the D-pad, the middle button, the scrolling action. You've got the Siri button on the right. You have a power button at the top, which should turn your TV on and off. I I will have to see if that's how that works. If it's trying to send signaling through HDMI, then it may or may not work with my setup. We'll have to see about that. It would be nice if it was infrared because then and it would pair with your TV or figure out what your TV's frequency, you know, infrared, you know, receiver expects. Then it would just work. So we'll see how that goes. Looks like you have a back button where the menu button used to be. I assume that actually is just still the menu button, um, but which is used as a back button in any event. Um, you've got the TV button. You've got play pause. You have a mute button, which I'm excited about because with my current uh, Apple TV remote, I have I have set it up so that the volume buttons control my uh, my sound system. But there's no mute, and I, so the standalone remote for my sound system has a mute, which is such a super great feature, right? You just want to mute it, yeah. um, and and right now you just have to hold the minus button and the volume down button until it it's down, and then and then you have to find out. But but mute is a single on off switch, and you don't have to readjust your sound and find out where your sound was before the mute. So that's great to have a mute button, and then of course you got the rocker up down. I am so excited about this remote. That's a great <laughs> remote. I, I think yes. it was clever too to put the Siri button off to the side where. 
when they were describing the remote, they actually said, that's where the Siri button is on your iPhone. And I was like, no, that's the sleep-wake button. That's the but- sleep-wake <laughs> button, but they call it the Siri button, apparently. And it's funny because I have Siri turned off as much as possible on my phone, so I didn't remember oh. that you had to press the side button to get to Siri. I don't use Siri. It's She's awful. I don't use <sighs> Siri very much, but I use her every day. So I I don't like her, but she and I have a precarious working relationship. The reason I turned it off is because I kept accidentally triggering Siri somehow with that side button, and so I just didn't want it anymore. Just didn't want yeah, it. Yeah, I get that. Okay, we should move on. Tim Apple, uh, he um, he talks about uh, the M1 Max being a Mac revolution. At this point, you're going, okay, this is it's Mac time, right? That's what you'd think, and it is, but there's more to come. <laughs> but so we'll get we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So so M1 Macs are a revolution. Uh, I mentioned that Wired Magazine said so. Uh, so apparently, that's an authority that he's willing to appeal to. Um, and then we go see the sea creatures. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> it's a transition down to the depths. And uh, so we get an all-new iMac built from the ground up with the M1 chip, um, and it comes in seven colors. Uh, jo- Joseph, this this computer is gorgeous. I love the design. It yes. looks like a big iPad from the side. Uh, I everything about it is cool. The, um, I I've heavily disagreed with MKBHD, who tweeted that it was a brilliant piece of engineering and it was super ugly. And I I think it's beautiful. I love it. I think that I think it's, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and it's a very subjective thing. Be. But the, the, there was two things that are off-putting at first glance. We're not accustomed to seeing the black trim replaced with an all-white trim around the face of the mm. iMac mm-hmm. in recent year. It felt like a downgrade because years ago they had white models, and those were just cheap plastic. So when they moved to the the aluminum with the black trim and glass, it felt like it got a premium boost. By going back to white, I think that unconsciously to a lot of the older Mac generation who were familiar with their plastics of the past, it felt like a downgrade. Now, Apple's actually said, they addressed it in the video, that that's not actually just a white frame. It's actually uh, a glass finish from fr- uh, top to bottom of the entire face of this iMac. And white has more to do with style choice, sort of the way that some generations of iPhone have white frames on them in the past, which is not something we're likely to get in the future, the way that they go from edge to edge now. But I I really hesitated because my first impression of the white trim was that does look, I don't know, cheap or out of place unfinished but then you know in the last few hours it's grown on me it's not good or bad it's just white and how often are you really going to be staring right Mm. at it you're going to be thinking about the color the 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 ergonomics of the thing it's got a gorgeous shiny finish it looks really rich on the back with the color that just pops it reminds me dude call this the imac nostalgia line because it goes back to the first generations of iMac and all their tutti fruity colors. It's beautiful. Yes. Of course, it's a much, much smaller, thinner, lighter piece of uh, technology. But I, I definitely love all the colors. I think the white is gorgeous. Um, I, I just, I, this was love at first sight. Yes, they could have maybe designed it a little bit thicker and gotten rid of the chin, but you know what? It's fine. It's fine. It doesn't hurt anything. Um, the colors are blue, green, pink the pink actually oh and and also if you're clicking on the colors that the front is going to be the lighter color and then the back is a darker richer color so the blue is a light blue in the front and a dark blue in the back green is light green in the front dark green in the back red or pink is pink in the front red in the back it's a very striking color i kind of like it uh silver is just silver on both sides uh you have yellow light yellow in the front rich yellow in the back uh orange same thing and then you've got a blue I, uh, I'm sorry, purple. I said blue. So you got a purple. I assume that's yours, Joe. You want a purple one? Yes. Um, I am really drawn to either the blue or the green. I, and, and, and I like silver too, and I tend to buy silver or black products, but I'm, I'm, you know, thinking of branching out. That said, I'm not, I'm not interested in iMac, but if I were, I would probably go for green, I think. I really like this green. So, uh, while we're talking about color schemes, 
something that occurred to me in the last few hours is that they don't have a big brother 27 inch iMac anymore. This is replacing the 21 inch now that they are using the screen real estate in a different way. They felt like they could cheat the numbers and give us a few more inches. So it's a 24 inch display and it comes in these shiny colors so does this mean that in the not too distant future they're going to discontinue a 27 inch iMac altogether? No. I I I I'm going to put my <laughs> I'm going to put my stake out there not at all. Uh, they may go to a 30 inch or something like that, but it's they're not going to continue the larger line of iMac. Um and the reason I say this is because if you go to Mac the iMac 27 inch is still listed, just like the MacBook Pro 16 inch is still listed. They're certainly not going to discontinue that, even though you have a M1 MacBook Air, MacBook Pro 13 inch. The MacBook Pro 16 inch just hasn't been updated yet. So what they're doing, it's clear what they're doing to me is updating from the from the bottom and moving toward the top, which makes things a little weird and uneven because I'm getting a MacBook Air, which I feel is in most ways more powerful in the ways that I care about than an Intel MacBook Pro 16. You know, you, you've got you've got this weird where the the lower end is actually surpassing the higher end in some places, but they're still listed for sale. There's no way that Apple's discontinuing the larger models. They're, they're just updating from the bottom up. And so the iMac 24-inch is clearly the new 21-inch. We may get another iMac 27-inch when they update it or an iMac 30-inch, but that idea, that line, will not go away. That's, that's my stake in the ground. Yeah, see, I don't want it to go away, but I also wonder, are they going to reinvent the 27 inch you know 30 inch new version as a iMac Pro because it it could be more than just bigger it could also be the excuse for making the larger one in silver and space gray and it i don't know maybe they maybe they promote that it's appropriate for their creative professional tools because when they were highlighting what the new iMac can do they actually said this would be great for iMovie and they didn't highlight Final Cut Pro whatsoever. No, no, I think I think you're right. I think that the iMac 27 inch is de- by default now, since the iMac Pro is gone, the de facto Pro, you know, pr- version of the iMac. So you know, have the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro. Uh, you'll have the iMac 24 inch and the iMac, you know, 27 or 30 inch, and I think that'll effectively be Pro. And they probably will show off Pro apps on the iMac, the larger iMac, when they release it, because they already that's people already use them that way. Uh, even before they released the iMac Pro, people were using. I, I have a friend who um, he he was not happy with the trash can Mac Pros, and the iMac sort of surpassed it. And this is before the iMac Pro came out, so his professional computer that he uses for all kinds of uh, film editing is the iMac 27 inch. Um, and so I, I definitely think that again, we're just in this weird transition phase and it's clear to me that Apple feels that the M1 chip is the lowest end of what they're going to be doing. I believe, I believe strongly that this is now they've updated their, all their low ends now. And now the next later this fall, we're going to see the M1 X or whatever. Uh, It's an, an improved version of the M1 that will go in the MacBook Pro 16 inch and the iMac 30 inch or 27 inch or whatever that happens to be. And I think we'll see the a new Mac Pro. I, I'll, I'll bet the Mac Pro is going to get an Intel spec bump this year because they said they had more Intel computers to release, and they haven't done that yet. <laughs> and so I, I think that we will see an uh, Intel an Intel Mac Pro spec bump, and then in 2022 we will see the um, maybe a uh, MP one, you know, Mac Pro one or something, a, a, a big high powered chip for the Mac Pro. That's mm. my prediction. I could be off base, but that's my thinking. It's a good theory. So they, they did point out, they showed off in the video, they illustrated how the internals were much bigger and bulkier on the previous generation 21 inch iMac. <laughs> they were throwing some major shade yeah, over it on Intel. <laughs> and just the, the bulkiness of the fan, the hugeness of the motherboard, the poor integration of yeah, yeah. everything. I mean, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> and then the mass and the volume of the new thing is like reduced more than 50%. So it just looks like a thick iMac on an XDR display stand. It's incredible. I love the form factor of this computer. Yeah, I do too. I think it's a great computer. And if I were in the market for an all-in-one iMac, I would definitely, this is the best iMac they've ever done, clearly. I think it's also a good value. I mean, if you were using this for a small business, for your family, for creative projects, for a student, this is way more value than 
the Mac computer my parents got for us in 1993. Totally. I mean the okay. So the the uh, the new IMAX twenty four inch starts at twelve ninety nine. That's for your uh, standard M one chip with the seven core GPU. Uh, you can move up to an eight core GPU for fourteen ninety nine, uh, and then you can move up. Okay, what's the difference here? There's a sixteen ninety nine version. I'm trying to understand what the difference is. I'm not seeing it so far. I think oh, it's I... it's five twelve storage is where it starts. It's that's the difference. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, these are very reasonably priced. And, and this even more says to me that Apple's planting a new flag in the ground for the, the low end of their iMac line. And your, your iMac 30 inch or 27, I'm, I'm, I'm counting on 30 inch because these went up a couple, I'm thinking 29 inch or 30 inch, whatever. So the next, the big iMac will, will get updated and be more like a pro pricing. What's funny too is that even with just this 24 inch model, they boasted that you could be playing your Apple Arcade game and take a Zoom call at the same time. And it's 85% faster CPU. And yeah. you can compile new apps and X code in a fraction of a time. It's yeah, they, they, they didn't. They didn't. Um, they didn't say you shouldn't do pro on this, and they even yeah. X, even Xcode indicates there's. You can certainly use it as a pro. I think that was basically saying, look, you can use this computer for pro stuff if you want. They, as you said, they didn't go into Final Cut Pro, but this would certainly be a good Final Cut Pro machine. It would be fine. Uh, you know, video editing. Um, another, a few other nice things. Uh, everything was like icing on the cake, and then another layer of icing on that layer of icing. They gave us. For example, they doubled the picture resolution on the front-facing FaceTime camera, TJ. They gave us 1080p. Which is nice. <laughs> yes. But yes. they also, because of taking advantage of the M1 chip, it's also sporting computational video enhancements, much like the camera on your iPhone. Yeah, they I don't also, care too much. I mean, it's, it'll definitely make <laughs> video calls look better. Yeah. Then you've got a studio three-way beam forming microphones. And uh, it, this was a fun little series where uh, Nafpreet, the guy who presented the new cameras and mics and speakers, he was saying, and this is the best camera ever in a Mac. This is the best That's mic true. ever take in a Mac. And he says this yeah. at the end of every single one of them. And For example, a six-speaker system with improved woofers and support for a Dolby Atmos. And supposedly, sounds way better. I mean, the form factor on this Mac is way slimmer and less room, in theory, for speakers than ever before. But as they've proven with the iPads of late, they can really make some rich sound out of a very flat object. <laughs> so yeah. I have no doubts that this is going to prove great speakers. Yeah, and they also impressed me with the um, new power connector, which is magnetic, because with an iMac that's especially this thin and light that you can just move around from desk to desk, like having that magnetic um, a, a cable attached, I think is really great. And it, it looked really slick. Um, I, I could maybe wish that it was, you know, I, I don't know, maybe we'll see more magnetic connectors like this, but it's fine. And what I thought too, uh, because I, of course I'm looking at the ports as they're showing pictures, I'm like, oh, there's only four, uh, you know, USB-C slash Thunderbolt ports. Um, I guess you're going to have to have a dongle to do Ethernet, but no, they thought of that. They put Ethernet in the power brick, which is great. Yeah. Well, I, I'm a big fan th of Ethernet. This is where it was a little bit tricky. I need to go back and review their specs, but it said on the top tier 24-inch iMac, you get two USB 3 ports and two Thunderbolt ports. But then on the cheaper end, it sounds like you only get two Thunderbolt ports. That means you're only going to get the two and no more. But then oh, let me look. on the power brick on the cheaper model, it looks like you don't get Ethernet port connectivity off of the power brick. Oh. Okay, um... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I did not notice this. So the cheapest model has only two Thunderbolt slash USB 4 ports. The uh, two higher-end models have two Thunderbolt uh, slash USB 4 ports and two USB 3 ports, which would be USB-C. Um, that's interesting. I didn't notice that. Uh, I also um, – it's hard to tell because they don't um, – you can't configure it yet. You can you can't go to the pricing and configure it. Um, I can't tell whether there's Ethernet on the lower end or not. The lower end power brick. That would be yeah. disappointing if there's not. I, I still think it was Ethernet. very funny that when they were talking about the external displays that this iMac can support, the presenter did say, "Hey, you can plug in your 6K displays like the Pro Display XDR." <laughs> 
the thing costs, uh, you know, $5,000 more than it, you can configure the, any of these <laughs> iMacs up to, but. <laughs> yes. <sighs> So, okay, so here's where I have a couple knocks against this thing. First is this audio port on the left side of the display. This is where I give credence to the people who said, well, why didn't they just make it a little bit thicker and get rid of the chin? Then you can move the components up into the back of the, instead of down in the, down in the chin of the computer. And that's a legitimate criticism, especially when you pair it with this audio port. Basically, because the computer is not thick enough for the audio port on the back, uh, therefore they put it in the side. So if you want to connect this, if you want to connect this to speakers that have a, an audio jack, you're going to see this dongle sticking out of the side of your computer and there's no way to get you like you just, it's going to be there an eyesore in, in your field of vision. And why not just make it a little bit thicker and let it be thick enough to have a whole audio jack and let it stick out of the back instead. That's, that's my first knock against this computer is like, mm, really that's a very good point. I don't know. I'm not crazy about the idea of my speakers having a cord poking out so so that said that's just a minor thing because that said because it supports thunderbolt and usb4 you can get any of these uh docks and there are a plethora of them that already exist because of apple's um macbook pros with the usb uh, thunderbolt and usb c style connectors and these all almost all of them have audio on them i'm connected to one right now with my workbook pro that has an audio jack on it and so i plug one cable into my macbook pro and it's connected to all the stuff at my desk it's really nice and so it's just one cable so you 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 can definitely get a dock and get around that but if you want to just plug your iMac into speakers that were sitting in your desk that had a cable, you know, an, an audio cable, it's going to be sticking out of the side. So it's kind of annoying. Here, oh, well. oh did you want to say anything more about that? Nope. <clears throat> okay. So here we get into my biggest beef. And this is, I like that this new, the new keyboards have Touch ID. It's really great. And I'm going to be tempted to get one uh, because even though I have a laptop, and I don't know if this will work with my Hackintosh, probably not because there's no secure enclave, but but, uh, I will also have an M1 Mac that I'll mostly probably be using uh, connected to my displays and I'll have the computer off where I can't see it. And so it's hard to get to the Touch ID. Having Touch ID on the keyboard would be nice. But they screwed it up, Joe. They uh, <laughs> so, so they acknowledged uh, last year that their butterfly keyboards were bad and that having the uh, full-height side arrow keys were bad because it was hard to feel on the keyboard where you were at. And so on the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pros, they switched back to scissor switches and they switched to half-height arrow keys so that you can feel your way around the keyboard and especially the arrow keys. And it's really nice. This keyboard has, once again, full-height side arrow keys. What the heck, Joe? <laughs> I'm not crazy about it either. And what drives me crazy is that, TJ, it's not just that it's bad for you. It's bad for everyone. I don't yes. know anyone who thinks that it, it is a superior typing experience. But what's even worse is that, that the usability is bad design, but even just for aesthetic reasons, which is petty, if it wasn't enough, Apple, who cares a lot about aesthetics, their MacBook gears and their macbook pros that they sell today that they only updated not too long ago they have the right shape of the buttons they don't match so they're selling macbook airs with m1 chips and them with the right kind of arrow buttons and then they do this and at the t- same understand. time they're going to be selling them side by side in stores so everywhere that a user happens to glance down at the arrow keys they're going to say Hey, mom, why, well, dad, you know, excuse me, Apple genius person, why are these keys different on my MacBook and over here and on the iMac over there? Apple, why did you do that? I don't get it. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah, this is my, this is the biggest thing. I don't understand what's happening there. Is it just a different team that's not talking to the other team? I, I don't know. I don't get it. Well, and it's also curious that on those uh, keyboards, the corner keys are really rounded, which, you know, is cutesy, but makes I don't, it look I don't a little, like it. No, I mean, it's a bit like yeah. a uh, preschool toy or something. It's, it's yeah, excessive. I, I, I don't like it. Mm. Okay. Well, we need to move on. Uh, we're running out of time. Uh, so now Ethan Hunt breaks in to uh, the Apple complex to steal the M1. Um for the for the well he's he's stealing the m1 he breaks in it's this elaborate scheme i I feel like the team uh went to tim that was making this video and said tim how much can we spend on this video and tim just said yes (laughs) 
so, so they have this elaborate video of breaking in, stealing the M1 chip from a MacBook Pro, and then uh, Tim rips off, or the, the Ethan Hunt rips off his face mask. I don't know who this guy is supposed to be. I'm calling him Ethan Hunt because, you know, Mission Impossible. So he rips off his, his Mission Impossible-style face mask, and what do you know? It's Tim Apple, and he puts the, the chip, the M1, the M1 one chip in the ipad pro and so now we know that the m and m1 stands for mm, ipad (laughs) 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 Uh, so we got the mac chip the m1 chip in an ipad pro what does it mean joe what does it mean for crying out loud i don't think we've seen i don't i don't think we've seen the full story on this yet i do not think i think there's more to be unveiled here so you don't put you don't put this no. big powerful Mac chip in the iPad Pro and call it a day. And that's essentially what they did. And yes. yeah, it's great, it's powerful, it's super super good. It's two times faster and 75% times better graphics and 50% faster and two times faster storage access and two terabyte configurable and Thunderbolt 4 you know, or Thunderbolt and all this you know, for whatever. Uh it's great. It's wonderful. But you don't do that to the iPad Pro unless you have a software story that you're just not quite ready to tell yet. And that's the thing is that, as I told you in the last few days, the iPad Pro of yesteryear is so good that it's hard to believe that there's any reason to upgrade because the software has not caught up. We just don't have pro enough pro-level apps that I would use on a day-to-day basis and I know that they do exist. They're out there. There's some incredible artistic and engineering-based applications you can use on the iPad Pro to date. And you didn't even need the M1 chip for them. So the M1 chip is going to be a sweet, sweet extra icing on those iPad Pro cakes. But I'm expecting new levels of creative professional apps. I expect something like Logic Pro and Final Cut and so much more. There's got to be more yes. than that, TJ. Just, ah. Oh. Begging for the it. two, I mean, and maybe it's just because of the type of people I follow, but there was no exceptions. Everybody I follow on Twitter who was paying attention to the event said, so can we have Mac OS please on the iPad? Because, because, and the reason is because I don't even know that we want or need a Mac OS on the iPad, but it's what we know is able to work with that hardware. Apple better, better, better have a software solution that actually works on this iPad because what's holding the iPad back? What is holding this this computer? I'm going to call it a computer. This thing sitting in front of me, this very computer sitting in front of me, not even the M1 iPad Pro. But what's holding this thing back is the lack of software support. They took, I, and I don't care what they say. They can talk about Steve Jobs uh, started on this thing, you know, and they wanted to build a tablet and then they switched to the phone instead. I don't care. They took a phone operating system, which is great for the phone. I wouldn't change much about iOS on the phone. And they blew it up to the iPad. And that has certain disadvantages, and we're still dealing with them. Even though they've done a lot to make it better, there are still certain disadvantages. And there are certain ways in which Apple is limiting things um, that, that it just it, we, can't, we can't continue this way with the iPad Pro. I want to be able to take just my iPad Pro with me when I travel and in emergency situations be able to do all the things I would do on my Mac. I want to be able to do that because it's so thin and light and nice and it's not bulky and it, you know, it has a little bit less power, but it's got more power than computers I used to write code yeah. on. It's fine. And so I want it. I want it. Where is it at? I I fear that Apple may not fully understand, or the software side of Apple may not fully understand what they need to do for this iPad Pro. I don't know, but I hope they have a. I hope they have a software story here. Just the tip of the iceberg. They they said it's fifty percent faster than the previous iPad Pro. It's seventy five times better graphics performance. Forty percent faster graphics. It now supports the latest gaming controllers. It's got. Uh, uh, two terabytes configurable storage, it, and, and it's got uh, 5G cell connection. 5G, which, 5G, <laughs> Verizon 5G, Joe. Dude, it's got Verizon 5G. Actually, we're very discreet with the number of 5G drops, <laughs> but it still felt like, did you really have to promote that? I guess you had to, but okay, yeah. man, this is kind of silly. Anyway, Joe, did you know pro customers love taking photos on their iPads? Dude, they actually. <laughs> 
Oh, he actually said this. It, uh-huh. oh, I have had an iPad every step of the way, TJ. And I've never taken I've a picture on my iPad. I've only taken pictures in jest. Never no, would I, 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 I seriously. I took a picture on my iPad oh. once just because I wanted to, to do it because I'd never done it. And then that's it. Once. <laughs> I don't understand. Anyway, it, and frustratingly, the uh, front-facing camera is still on the side or what I call the side. I know Apple calls that the top. I call it the side. And it's not in the right place. <laughs> I no. don't understand. Yeah. Uh, uh, but but still, it's it's a great piece of hardware, and the software is holding it back. I don't know how much how much how any other way that I can say it. Um, I hope they have a software story at WWDC. It'll be interesting. There's a lot. More I hope to they tell. have a way to run Mac apps, professional Mac apps, because you know they have been making these moves to unify the application platform. And I think they could run on the on the iPad Pro. They could run Mac level apps. My iPad Pro, I think, is capable of running Mac level apps, and mine is a year old now. Um, you know, it's the A12, but I think it could do it. And in fact, we know that Mac OS was running on that on the chip that's in my iPad because they shipped the uh, d- developer transition kit with that chip. So we know it can do it. I just want them to do it. I want them to do. It. I want my iPad to do more. Hmm. Well, that that was where all my notes ran out on the event, so I don't know what else to say about the rest of the event. And we're Um, also out of time. Well, good night, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're out of time, but that's pretty much the event. I mean, they basically recapped and then they uh, pieced out. Yeah. Well, good stuff, a good event, and I would watch it again. I want to go through the sort of like the motivation behind their product decisions and how they want to represent them. It's always refreshing to just think positive thoughts, TJ. You might try it and uh, you know dampen down the cynicism for a day and just imagine the world the way that you know the candy man can. And um, it, it makes everything feel good. Well, that's it for this show. Uh, you can find um, links for the... Uh, this, I don't know. There's going to be many links in there. I guess we'll link to the individual product pages for the yeah, uh, things that we talked about for, for the event. We'll link the video so you can... If you have, didn't get a chance to watch it live, you can watch the video. You can find the show notes for this episode at nightowl.fm slash hi-fi slash 28. That's it for us. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. And uh, peace out. Catch you later. <laughs>